Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is Jessica Munn with episode 17 of So, I Have a Question. Uh, we are discussing today the sermon from February 6th of 2022, and Nick gave this sermon, and so Nick is here with us. Hi, Nick. Hello. And uh, Mitch <laughs> is here as well. Yep. And so we are... So the passage that you looked at, Nick, was 1 Timothy 1, uh, 3-11, and which was talking about, um, pretty much it was a letter to Timothy from Paul about making sure to root out false doctrine. So your first big point, you had three, um, was that we need to be on guard at all times and therefore be in the word. Want to expound upon that a little bit? Um, yeah, um, so being on guard and, and being in the word, which kind of was my challenge or whole take because I wanted to take this in such a way that I could challenge everybody not just you know the teachers of our church um, which I think you know our church does a good job overall of, of teaching sound doctrine staying in the word um, but it was a challenge for really our whole church to be able to sit there when they're under teaching to say how do we be on guard and the challenge is one being in the word, knowing the word, knowing who God is, um, and challenging themselves with that, something that they can take home because I, I would hope everybody has their own Bible. Um, and not just take the teachers and the people that they put themselves under for granted. Um, I believe we have good teachers and, and, and sound teachers, but I think it's very easy for anyone to step into a position of leadership or, or teaching at any church um, and potentially sway a small crowd um, away and personally I actually saw this happen a little bit in Bible college where they had um, specifically typically they would hire people that were Christian um, but they had a small group on one of the sports teams and they basically started swaying them with kind of false doctrine which actually turned away some people that were very young in their faith um which was a little disheartening and um you know this small group and on the sports team was very conflicted because there was more mature believers on that that group or that team um and within that team they were even being challenged because they cared about these people they had relationship with them and they even had a relationship with their coach. Their coach obviously has a lot of influence just as a teacher might. Um, and so watching that inner conflict and even the heartache in a lot of ways for the more mature people where, where they're sitting there questioning what they are being taught and then seeing some of their, their friends walk away just because there was just different beliefs. And I don't even know the extent of it or what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do know that our school kind of came down on it and, um, that person ended up losing their job, but okay. I think you could see this happen very easily in a church if we're not careful. So, and I think the challenge is for our congregation, our members to be well-informed, to be knowledgeable of who God is. And the only way you can do that is be in the word. And of course, you know, there's there's benefit to going to seminaries, Bible college, you know, you can get a little bit deeper, um, get a lot of historical context, um, and, and, 
be deep in the scriptures, and I'm sure Mitch, you can attest to that. Um, but it helps when there are members and people that are sitting under a, a teacher that can say, yes, this is accurate, this is scripturally accurate, as opposed to, say, a class of all new believers that basically if, if the teacher was not spending time in the Word or was being challenged in their own walk, sometimes those things start to bleed out um, if they're not focused solely on the Word. Mm -hmm. And they start mixing in their own beliefs, which I kind of got into with the myths and genealogies. But <laughs> No, yeah, and that actually, your your story reminds me how, like, you know, it's, it's good to be on guard, not just because there might be issues with the teachers here at East Glenville, um, but, like, I know in high school, I was seeking more input because problems with my youth group. We'll just leave it at that. And so, like, I found, I stumbled upon some teachers that I thought I really liked and I thought were great. Um, but I later in my walk found out that I think they had legalistic, fundamentalist type of leanings. Um, and so it, it gave me a very different perspective of how to engage scripture and things like that. And so, you know, being on guard, listening to multiple different teachers on the spectrum to get a good range and to be able to weed out like, okay, this doesn't sound quite right from what I'm seeing in the Bible and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the reality is, like once upon a time, you know, in Frontier America, whatever, the only per, only Bible teacher probably anyone heard is their pastor. Mm. You know, nowadays... I can attest that most people I'm engaging with have heard it either on the internet or DVD, you know, whatever. There's other Bible teachers they're already tuned to. And so they're probably comparing, mm -hmm. you know, my teaching or the Sunday school classes or Nick's sermon to what they've heard. We, we were talking about celebrity pastors or just, but just people on the radio or yeah. whatever on YouTube. And it, I think there's a positive and that they're getting more a broader a thing, but there's also potential for like, well, what about when there's disagreements on this? Right. And um, have you found that, Nick, where you're having to respond with, well, this person said this, but you said this. And maybe it's not an outright clear deviation from the word of God. It's just a different, you know. Well, and I think, um, I think that's one of the reasons that you see different denominations and, and different so you talked about legalistic um fundamentalists mm -hmm. and i think in all reality if we're not careful i think we all have the tendency to to lean one way or the other we're going to lean legalistic or we're going to lean more like liberally um and i had this conversation with with pastor brad when he was here actually um and you know, I think he said his sister um, was actually at a Baptist church, which, you know, he was Presbyterian background. And, you know, he had no problem with it. And we, we discussed a lot of um, theological differences because we came from a little bit different um, sides. But, you know, we shared in love and compassion for each other. And we could always have good dialogue that would be productive. Um, all that to say is sometimes people need more fundamental, like, you know, they need more of that strictness where some people kind of need to let go of that. Mm -hmm. um, but the the important part, which one being in the word and knowing who God is so that you can decipher 
what is true, what is of God, and what isn't. Because ultimately, I think we're called to live in the spirit. Um, and it's, you know, it, there is a level of spiritual warfare that not always in times we talk about in church. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for those that are mature walking believers, they can understand that from a, a, a deeper spiritual sense. But we always have to line it up with the word because we have the danger to be swayed in either in different directions or in the directions that we kind of already lean towards in our own natural tendencies. So So what if what should someone do if they sense they heard maybe atypically, um a something a, a teacher said, preacher said, that's like I'm not sure that's right. How should they approach that? With, because they're not sure. They the it's uh, this seems different than what the word says. Right. Um, you're, and you're talking in the context of your, your, like, if you were in your own church, of course, right? Yes. Um, I, so I've actually had some personal times, even, even when I was younger, um, I can remember on my first mission trip and looking back on it, like, I know they had the best heart intention. Like I was using the, probably the wrong scripture which was based on my experience of my relationship with God at that point. It still was scripturally accurate, but I was using the wrong scripture. Okay. <laughs> um, and so they actually was like, well, it's not really the best verse after I, I kind of got the guts to talk in front of people and share about my testimony and share about my life. Um, and they were like, well, you know, this scripture is not the best actually, but, but it's still accurate. Here's a better one. Okay. Um, so but, more mature be believers might lovingly correct or guide a, a younger, newer Christian to to be able to think think it through better, say it better. Right. Yeah. But I think it hits differently when you have that personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's where I think the loving relationship, like if you were to have to address something like that, I think it comes off better if you're constantly in relationship and, and I think we're called to have a community we're called to be together and walk as a body um so to have that voice in somebody else's life you have to also still earn that even though we are all Christians per se and I'm saying that with quotation marks um but you know even going on mission trips and, and being involved in other countries um we have to earn the right to share the gospel and so I think even in church, sometimes we have to earn the right to have a voice in another person's life to say, hey, you know what, I care about you and I want to make sure that you're walking um, with God and, and, and you know what you're saying is accurate. And I've, I've noticed these things. Um, so why don't we have a like, you know, a lunch, you know, sure. let's have a conversation because mm -hmm. um, I think those hit better than, you know, pulling you aside and saying, yeah, I don't really know about that. Um, and could it even best start with, hey, I heard you say this. Explain what you meant by that. Right. Mm -hmm. And give them a chance to clarify. Because maybe they said it badly. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a teacher, whether it's me. Sometimes I'll say things and I'm like, that's not quite, what how that came out is not quite what I meant. Mm -hmm. And giving people a chance to, or it could be, well, I'm looking at this verse when I said that. There's a tension between this verse and that verse, and how do how do we understand resolving them? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's stuff from James and Paul that I don't think contradict each other, but I do think they're in tension with one another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and and you gotta working through that is is tough um so yeah and i think they're intentionally like you know god's word it's alive and active and i think they're intentionally challenging to each other so that we would have these conversations and and challenge each other even in modern day right America. every every good <laughs> every good spiritual truth's intention jesus fully human mm-hmm. fully god and yeah so yeah. keep us going jess okay um so the second point you made nick was to lead with the word of god and um and one of the kind of the sub points that i grabbed from it too is that the goal of all of this is love mm-hmm. um and i think Pastor, you had a question um, you were thinking of asking about how do we do that? How do we challenge somebody? Well, the the thought I have is, is Nick talked about how everyone in the church needs to be on guard against wrong teaching. And, and there's certainly a truth. I mean, everyone has to be careful of this. It's not just the top down. Mm-hmm. But my only worry with that is does that put you in the position of always be being almost like the in seeing the people in suspicious eyes mm-hmm. like if you're so on guard that you're 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 very critical or you come across as judgmental so how do we be on guard for spiritual truth um you know and and that without you know without that basically in love mm-hmm. how how does that look to to not be in a sense being putting ourselves out constantly in the place of judge I think um, in any respect or in any teacher-student respecting relationship, this isn't, this isn't school. Like, we're not forced to be here. We, we have a choice uh-huh. to be here. And especially in modern day, it's not like we have to get in a horse and buggy and travel. Like, we can get in a car and travel to any church. So why are people choosing our church? Why are people choosing to sit under our teaching? And I think there has to be a genuine care and loving relationships to bounce off that um i think one having a dialogue with people so like i think i could have a dialogue with jess Um, and part of that is because we've had kind of and it's not that we hang out all the time but we have an ongoing relationship that we we do hang out when we just genuinely like we're going to play games on saturday Mm -hmm. um and so i think that helps bridge some of the gap and you think about Jesus, why did Jesus have an opportunity to speak in the disciples' lives? Well, he basically lived with them for three years. Um, So I think some of it is just genuinely doing life with each other. Um, So I don't think, you know, it's it's the most respectful just first time I meet you. I don't know if I agree with you, Um, but I do think... Which which has happened to me, by the way. (laughs) More than once. I've done it too. But okay, yeah, yeah, and I didn't react well. Yeah. And, well, to say, like, I moved up here from Delaware to New York. Uh-huh. Didn't know anybody up here. And I went from essentially a Baptist background to community church. And then sitting under Pastor Brad, who was Presbyterian of background. Right. And so, you know, like, the first times I'm sitting under him, I'm like, I'm a little skeptical, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think being able to have that dialogue mm-hmm. and knowing that he cared regardless, whether I agreed with him or not, and that's where it kind of goes into the core doctrine. Mm-hmm. Like, the core doctrine still remains the same. We have differences in opinion on, like, things like baptism or 
Um, just even some of the sacraments or, you know, like I know Pastor Brad loved to wear his robes on every chance he got. Um, and it, those were things that I was not familiar with or comfortable with. But it's like, at the end of the day, we're all still going to yeah. be worshiping Jesus in heaven at some point, you know. Um, My first position after college was as a youth director, a bit similar. Um, but I was, you, you had much more training than I had. I was, I was a bit clueless. But I, t- I was very on guard against liberal teaching. And I was in a, not a liberal church, but kind of a mainline church. And um, and I, I probably came across as a jerk. Because I know, like there was one, a, a, so another young woman on staff who said something. And I, I kind of reacted very quickly to it. Thinking and, and looking back, I'm like... Ooh, I could have been better at listening first, mm-hmm. understanding what she was saying. She may, may may not have been wrong, or she may not have been right in what she said, but I, I reacted to without understanding either. Yeah, so. and I think that's, like, I know for me, growing up, it, not growing up, but being so involved in an interdenominational group in college, um, like, at, I know my first couple of years, I did several of the reaction, like, what? No, that's completely wrong. Like, how could you believe that? Right. Um, but then, you know, by senior year, the, the thing that I learned is just curiosity of being able to have those yeah. discussions. Like, I have a great memory of uh, the co- the couple I lived with my senior year off campus. They ran, like, literally just happened to cross paths with somebody in the community whose name was also Jessica. She's great. And uh, she was Eastern Orthodox. Uh, okay. And I had never actually had a conversation with anybody who was Eastern Orthodox, who, like, was heavily involved in their church community. And so um, Glenn and Beverly, like, just invited her over for dinner. And we had an entire conversation over dinner of just, like, differences in theology and doctrine and how is Eastern Orthodox different than Catholicism and the history of that split. Mm. and. I learned so much and we were able to develop a great, they had her over several times and just develop a great friendship of like, yeah, first and foremost, we're friends. Second of most, we love Jesus. And third, you know, we have differences in doctrine and the differences aren't necessarily always bad. And it Mm. doesn't necessarily mean one person is wrong and one person is right. And so approaching conversations like that with that mentality of the like, no, like, teach it to me, explain it to me, like, try to convince me, there's, you know, a good chance I won't change my opinion, but. One of the things I got to be careful of is I'm a debater, (laughs) and I enjoy debate, and there's some people who do not, and I've been told that I've bowled people over more than a few times, and it's like, I'll just, I'll just go at it, Mm -hmm. and how to step back, and I think in the end, you're more persuasive if you don't take that approach if you bowl people over they just unless you're talking with another debater because they love it <laughs> they, they might yes but it, yeah you, it's knowing the person mm-hmm. yeah so okay so in kind of you had two examples in this section that i i you you know kind of like stuck your toe in and i want to give you a chance to dive a little bit deeper into them so the first one is you talked about how like um, specifically the te- the biblical teaching of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so want to dive into that, kind of explain the point you were trying to make and then 
dive a little deeper if you want to. Yeah, so um, I think I think the word's very clear on, and we'll just say um, with things with when when it comes to opposite genders or even in especially in today's world, um, same sex gender relationships, um, God has a specific place for anything that that broaches the the sexual topic. Um, and I think it's important in, in in this specifically. So it talks about adulterers, it talks about perverts, it talks about you know slave traders, it talks about homosexuals, and um, those are very touchy topics. And I think those are very real topics that that people go through that we see in in our culture, in our society, and certain things have been made bigger than than others Mm. um so even specifically here if you're talking about homosexuals in the last 10 years it's basically been made not a bad thing it's not a sin but then like talking about the the sins of the past slave trade you know was very real in our culture and that seems like it's the worst thing but it's like you know the bible's clear that both are the same and then i also touched how um, adultery, mm-hmm. you know, any anything that's sexually impure, you know, God's basically equating it to homosexuality. So we can't ignore these things while putting these things as, as worse than others. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible is, is very clear. God's word is very clear about what is sin. But again, and I, and I tried to make it personal, so like being transparent with myself and saying, you know, I was one of these people. I, I fit under some of these categories. Doesn't mean I fit under all of them, but if I've broken one, I've broken them all. Right. But that's where grace comes in. We don't continue to live in sin, and I think teaching sound doctrine is part of teaching what is sin. If we ignore certain sins and say that they're not, and then these people continue to live in them. And I think I think I either heard this in Bible college or um, I might have heard it in a sermon that I listened to. But, you know, they say about being careful about the, the person that you make your pastor. And and they have to be honest about the things that they struggle with or have struggled with. Because if you're not careful in holding them accountable, essentially, um, those things become blind spots. Mm-hmm. And those things become your congregation's blind spots if they are living in sin. Because then they're not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to justify it and say that it's not a problem. Um and so I, I think to be clear and honest about what the word says is wrong is important so that we can grow as a congregation so mm-hmm. that we don't ignore the hard topics because I think these are hard topics in our culture. But these are the topics that people want to talk about in the first place. So why do we shy away from them too? Um, hopefully that kind of answers or gives you some idea of what. <laughs> and if I can add a, a major thing in this part, it's saying that um, it's through the it, the law teaches the the core truths about God, and and it's going to run counter to our society, our cultural, mm-hmm. and and this is kind of the point it's making is is um, the law can show you when your when your whole culture is off track. Yeah. That's where I think the slave trading is an interesting one because in in the Roman culture mm. um and 
antebellum South and whatever, you know, slave trading was considered, well, yeah, you know, that's, I guess that's acceptable. Well, we can't trust what our culture says is acceptable. We need a word from outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and so when, when the Bible says something different than our culture, it's uncomfortable to talk about, but it, that's maybe when more than ever, we need to at least pay attention to what it's saying. Yeah, and finding good ways to talk about it, too. Like, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of, so there is a, a great book, I can't remember who it's by, um, but the title of the book is actually called Redeeming Sex. And it's the author, at one point, before she was a Christian, um, you know, her, her sexual life was not anywhere close to what, you know, we would say would be right. a biblical standard. And so for her, the way, like, her journey of becoming a Christian... Like, it just started with them, like, a small local church loving on them. Um, it was, she was living with a bunch of different people, um, of, you know, mixed gender and, and uh, stances right. and stuff. And, like, they first just loved on them. And then as they were continued to be discipled, that's when they started, you know, hitting more of those big cultural issues of the, like, okay, so, like, why why are you guys like you know living together when you're not actually married and like you know and having them be like oh like i didn't even realize that was an issue um just because they didn't grow up anywhere close to the church um yeah. and i think that you know it's it's one thing to acknowledge that when the bible runs counter our culture but to sometimes just take somebody's culture and rip it out from under them without building a foundation of love and trust and you know encouragement first and drawing them to Jesus. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you've not taken that step of saying yes to following the Lord, then, you know, why should you care what the Bible says about this? Mm-hmm. So, once you know the Lord, then, then you want to learn what His Word is. Right. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. Sometimes it takes time to just, you know, go from one culture to another. Like, right. without having the complete culture shock and then being like, forget it, never mind. Right. When Cheryl worked with Teen Moms back in Ohio, she had that experience a lot of, of these girls that, like their parents, their grandparents, they were doing what they're, mm-hmm. they were taught to do. Yeah. And, and it's not like they were rebelling against God. They just had not ever learned otherwise. And if you lead with that, you never have a chance to speak to them about deeper things. Mm-hmm. But if you begin to speak to them about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and when they are responding to that, then you can start to talk about bringing your life into line with His Word. Right. And I, th- I think it comes back to remembering that the goal is love, and this is what I, I touched on a little bit in the message, was when you're living in the Spirit and you're living with the goal of love, if they're unsaved, your goal is to help them know Jesus so that you know they have a hope not just for eternity but here on this life because again Christ changes your life he changes it for the better and you know if you know Christ the goal is to know him better because the closer you walk with him the more you understand him like not that your life's going to be perfect but the things that matter and you're wrestling with sin you don't want to feel like a slave to sin which you know if you look around the world everybody's walking around in slaves and they don't even know it mm-hmm so keeping that focus on what love is because you know 
it's very clear that the law is good, but people don't even know, know it's good because their culture is running counter right. to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And we are soaked into our culture and don't even realize it. It's like the culture is the, the, the water we swim in. Mm-hmm. And the Bible might be the only place that says maybe this isn't the best water to be in. Yeah. Yeah, no, my brain, sorry, my brain is going to a rap uh, that's literally called Robot. And one of the lines is like, um, when I was born, I didn't know I was a robot and, like, didn't know that, like, I was pre-programmed to follow my culture and, like, just, you know, it, those things kind of embedded into me. Yeah. But, like, once I met Jesus, like, I'm not a robot anymore. Mm. And I, and so, yeah. Um, but speaking of things to keep us moving that is big in our culture that you also dabbled in, um, you talked about politics and how, like you know both sides have their issues and i i know i'm not the only one who is loving would have loved if you dove in a little bit more so i want to give you the space to dive in a little bit more as you're as deep as you're comfortable (laughs) well um it comes from what paul talks about with myths and endless genealogies and i touched on how the endless genealogies isn't quite as relevant in our culture just in western culture in general but i did touch on myths because i think I mean, that's a big debating point right now. You can kind of get into the conspiracy side of it. And I mentioned, like, if you do your best to look at it from an objective view, and I sit there and say, you know, there's truth on both sides, but there's also a lot of craziness on both sides. And we got to be careful not to be soaked in the craziness because that, that hurts your voice for the gospel mm-hmm. because you don't really necessarily always know who you're talking to. Um, they might agree with you, and then sometimes that that reaffirming belief isn't healthy, or they might not agree with you, and then you know they're not even going to listen to you when you talk to them about the gospel. They're not going to trust your walk with Christ because that's more important than who Jesus is. Mm. So while I'm not saying you know you can't you know listen to some things or even you know try to come to a different understanding, and this comes back to some of like. The theological differences i think there's core doctrine that we need to focus on when it comes to who jesus is who god is mm-hmm. um and that needs to be our main focus there's going to be theological differences but they don't keep us from eternity they don't keep us from our walk with christ um they're just different perspectives on how we see who god is mm-hmm. but i think god is much deeper and bigger than any of us are ever going to be able to imagine anyway mm-hmm. So, you know, some of those structures help us understand God, and it it helps us, but, again, God is bigger than our mind or heart will ever be able to comprehend. Yeah. Um, And if I could, because I think you're right on, and I think applying the word myths, what I see happening in the political culture is both sides are trying to create and control the narrative. Mm. In other words, they want to create a myth story at least on the the partisans on each side, they don't care what the truth is. Mm -hmm. They want the story told their way. And what I think we can and should do is almost be a little bit skeptical of both sides. Yeah. Like, just because they're saying it and seem convinced of it, uh, you know, realize, are they just trying to create, create the story, create a narrative? when we are called to be people of the truth. 
Right. And keep the, keeping that in sight. Yeah, because the truth is, is that, like, as you said, you know, we can have theological differences. You know, we have denominations and stuff. Well, in the same way, we can have differences in how we think is, you know, a wise way to apply the Word of God to our to our culture, to our policies. Um, you know, there's... I'm not going to go... I, I could do examples, but I'm not going to. But, you know, there's there's multiple ways to approach a problem. And, you know, sometimes one side... Sometimes it falls where one side is like, well, you know, we need to focus on this aspect of this problem. And the other side is like, well, actually, we need to focus on this aspect of this problem. And in reality, the Bible says you should focus on both aspects. And so it's the... How do... You know, we can talk about how, you know, Christians can have a good debate or good conversation. One, I guess you could say one way is we can all agree that the Bible wants us to help people who are poor. Yeah, exactly. The debate might be over what's better, raising the minimum wage or developing a new jobs. Right. Thank you. Thing. That was a much less yeah. controversial example. If I, I could give another example yeah. of, of something that was really difficult. So I, I was in a special class in seminary. It was, it was post-seminary for me, but it was more like a pastor's training thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it ended up being about 50% white, 50% black. Mm. Um, the seminary I was at had uh, urban campuses in Detroit and Cleveland. And so they drew a lot of the urban pastors. And it was one of those incidents in the news. And I don't remember the names. Was well, Zimmerman? The thing in Florida. Oh. The the um. guy that shot the black teenager. Yes. Oh. And it was very tense because some of the white pastors saw it one way mm -hmm. and the black pastors saw it a different way. And we were called to be men of God together and it was we had some conversation over that. So I, yeah. I we may have strayed far from a Nick's original point. But I just remember that story thinking, Okay, how do I engage fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and be aware that they may see things differently and not to mm -hmm. assume my perspective is, has got it right on. Right. And I think that's why, like, for me, the, the curiosity that I learned in being in an interdenominational setting yeah. is so important because one of the phrases that still sticks with me is that, like, our God is so big, he can't be contained in one culture. And so if, like, if that means that I can learn things from my brothers and sisters from different cultures and different nationalities, yeah. then I can learn something from my brothers and sisters with different doctrinal differences and, right. you know, different views on how to view the world. And I'm allowed to have my own opinions, right. but we can still have a good dialogue and not just, like, instantaneously, like, be like, no, you're wrong, and cut people down. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, at the end of it, I mean one of the big things that you want to take away from this is, you know, one, of course, being in the Word, which is one of my points, but when you're living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, those things all become secondary. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my main point, where it's, you know, you're going to have different beliefs, you're going to have different thoughts or different takes on, on things, but you should always lead with the Word of God. That should be what people think of you, not you know, oh, they think this way, and I'm kind of on the other side of it, um, you know, and, and while people still might think of you with those things, hopefully they're thinking of you as, mm -hmm. you know, a man or a woman of God. 
that shows love and care and, and can have those dialogues in a loving way mm-hmm. um, that shows care and compassion. Yeah, and, and shows that you have a biblical basis because it's okay to be like, no, these are, you know, this is how I came to my conclusion. Like, I, I understood you, like, you know, that you're arguing this other point, but this is how I came to my spot and going from there. And so I think that kind of leads into the last point you made, which you kind of almost just reiterated, not quite, um, but you said that the law is good and that we are all entrusted with it. Mm-hmm. And kind of this idea that, like, we shouldn't necessarily, even though Paul, in the context of this letter, is writing it to Timothy and asking him to, you know, correct the teachers in Ephesus, right? Did mm-hmm. I get that right? Yep. Yes, okay. Um, but it's also the fact that, like, we are all influence each other as being the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to go back to the, you know, we're all entrusted with it. For us to miss any part of Scripture or the law of, or part of God's character, why does he even put the law in the first place? Because it shows who he is. He shows his character. It shows that he's good. And for us to miss any of it, those things, and speaking of a person being in leadership, Part of the reason that I want other people under me, I want people listening, and I want people that are, are biblically literate or in the scriptures, because I have blind spots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know I've talked about this at staff meeting and things. It's like, that's why I, I try to get other curriculums so that my blind spots don't become the student's blind spots. And it challenges me to dig a little bit deeper or understand the things that I might be weaker in my understanding. And so I'm still covering all these topics of scripture, of doctrine, of theology, um, or even, you know, reaffirming some of those things that I'm not as strong at. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a 26-year-old guy, but, and yeah, I went to Bible college and I had some great professors, but that doesn't mean I know God. Like I said, God's bigger than any one person can comprehend, and we're going to spend all eternity figuring out more about God. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, I think I think that's a good way to to wrap this up of just being, yeah, realizing that we all. Um, I had a really good closing thought. And now it's gone. <laughs> um, no, but how we engage with scripture, how we engage with our teachers, how we engage with each other. Um, you know, first and foremost, we should be people who love Jesus, and are learning who He is. And then showing that love to others. And if that's our foundation, then we can lean heavily on the word of God and on his law and um, go from there. And I, and I think Jesus Jesus was honest. Of course he was honest. And, and he touched on cultural issues, even mm-hmm. at the time. But his focus was still on things above. And that was always his focus. So even, and the thing that I always, like, you know, one of the most famous stories of him feeding the 5,000. Mm-hmm. The thing that really sticks out to me in that one is that the people came back for food the next day. And I'm like, I mean, we still see this, you know. Where, where's their food? I'm going to come because mm-hmm. there's food. And Jesus is like, I, I want you focused on the, the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that should be the focus. Not, not that these cultural issues or, you know, the fact that people need food or not being fed isn't an issue like he cares about those things and he genuinely cares i mean you know he wept for lazarus Mm -hmm. death is hard Uh, but eternal death is much harder 
much worse. Um, and he can offer freedom in in eternity, but also in this life, you know, uh, uh, an overwhelming joy that no one can understand without having that relationship mm-hmm. with him. So. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nick, for joining us. This was great. You're welcome. Um, and uh, as always, we'll be back here next week. Yes. And we go back to John 14. Which will be good. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys.